Um, if you don't know, I'm the worship leader here at Heart of the Father, and uh, I love if you don't know that because we have so many awesome people that can lead worship without me. <laughs> so I honestly feel like, not to toot my horn, uh, we're really blessed to have those people, but I pray that it's always like that, that we're always raising up other people, and it's never a me show. And I thought that Mick and the team did an awesome job this morning just having us enter into the, and I mean, I love the Lord. I love, and even I was just sitting here like, dang, Justin Tillinger is so good at closing worship. Like, he's about to break it out again. And then you got Justin Thomas up here, and he's like sharing a word. I'm like, that's so good. And Mason Bonner opening. I'm like, what is going on here? I, I love that all, if you, I mean, we announced that, but that the worship team or just worshipers, so their hearts come out. Um, when they're up here, and there's plenty of them. Um, but yeah, I'm just really, really blessed to be in that position here at this church and be able to serve with my, with my team and, and lead them. And um, So you may know me as a worship leader. You may know me as a wife to Brandon, who had that little, maybe kind of squirmy <laughs> introduction. And then um, I'm a mom to Josie and Zeke, my two littles. So most of the time, my, my days look like taking care of my kids and um, teaching them about Jesus and, and uh, being here and taking care of things here at the church as well. But it's an honor to do it, honestly, be able to serve the Lord. And I'm really excited to be able to share with you guys this morning. And I think my heart rate is starting to go down now, so all of that can settle. Just kind of looking at my key people that I told I would, like, look at when I got nervous. But, um, but honestly, I mean that, like, I was thinking about it last week. I was in the car, and I'm driving with my kids, and I, like, felt the Lord's presence. I'm, I mean, I'm a worshiper, so I'm in the car, and I've been listening. I was listening to this song, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I feel your presence, Lord. And I'm simultaneously passing out crackers in the back seat to my kids. And all the moms get me right now. So <laughs> um, that's, that's my life. There's nothing glamorous about being in ministry, honestly. It's, it's just we're normal people, and we love Jesus a lot, and the Lord has just given us these positions. So... Um, but yeah, um, just a little update before I get into my message this morning. A lot of you guys have been asking me about our album recording and when that's coming out for you guys to listen to. So just to give you a little bit of what's going on with that, I've been in contact with the guys. If you didn't know, <laughs> we did a live recording. It was supposed to be done. Yes, we wrote original songs. It was supposed to be done in March of 2020, good old March of 2020. Okay, literally the week we were supposed to do it, COVID, um, and then we ended up postponing it, but the timing is the Lord's, it was perfect. September, we recorded it live here, and um, just the whole process takes editing, like they go back. I'd love to say that we were perfect in everything that we did that night. I mean, the anointing was here, for sure, um, but they just have to make little edits and do things, and then we had one of the guys who's doing the mixing and mastering is going through some, just some personal stuff that happened in his family, and so we were, it's just been put on hold a little bit, but I was told that by the end of January, we should have something for you guys. So if you're looking for a date, it's going to be, I'm sorry it's not a Christmas gift to all your friends, but by the end of January, and um, I talked to Dustin, one of the guys who played drums with us that night, and he was saying, he's like, man, there's no question the anointing is on it. He's like, when I started listening to it, I really did get teared up. Like the first song, Shut Out the Noise, he's like, I literally got choked up listening to it. And I know that they listen to a lot of stuff, so that was really encouraging to me to hear that. So it's coming. If you guys can wait, the timing is perfect, the Lord's timing. So I'm excited. Um, when I was praying about this morning, before I dive into the actual message portion of this, I felt like I wanted to share a little bit of my history with Heart of the Father, and it's not super long. I really don't like to be long-winded, so I'm not going to be long-winded this morning. Um, 
And I, <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just feel like I just went, I feel like the teacher in me is like, okay, I've got your attention for a good solid 30 minutes, and that's all I've got. Not really. You guys have exercised that muscle with us here at the church, for sure. But I, I just want to be conscientious of that. And my husband, I was, like, sitting there going, because I've never done this. So I'm, like, sitting with my husband, and he's like, that's about 25 minutes there, babe. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> this gets away from you before you know it. When I was praying, I, wanted, I really feel like I was supposed to share this. So I'm going to start with this this morning. Um, I've been doing this for about nine years at Heart of the Father, give or take. And um, I had no intention of being a worship leader as a job. That was never on my radar for those of you that feel called to ministry in some way. I'm telling you, the Lord will pick you and put you. And you'll think, you'll just, it'll just happen. Um, and I was teaching high school English for a couple of years. That's what I went to school for. And um, I met, I knew Jeremiah Johnson, if you guys know him, most of you do, from school. We went to school together. And um, I just knew that he, like, carried the passion of the Lord. And I wanted to check out his church on Thursday nights. They had a young adult service on Thursday nights. And I would go to that. And um, some of you guys are, like, picturing this in your brain with me right now. But um, I would just, I would serve there and just be in the presence of God, and I loved what the Lord was doing. And then one day, he and Morgan took me to lunch and said, we really feel like you're supposed to be the worship leader here. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I know, like, I've, I played piano growing up, and I'd sing, like, background for people in youth group. Like, that's where I was at. And, like, I would do a little bit in college, but it was never on my radar, never. I love to worship Jesus, but the Lord knows better than we know, and um, I really felt like I had to keep listening to that voice that says, you are anointed, and you are appointed to do this, because I felt really insignificant when I started. Even just being a single woman, I'm like, this is really hard. I was, what, 23 or 24 when I started, and I, you just feel like I honestly did, didn't know what I was doing, but praise God. <laughs> created greater dependency, and, and he'll equip you in his right timing. So I started. I loved it. We went on a journey. Barry has been on this journey for a long time. Dave joined. Where is Dave? I'm, like, looking. Um, he joined later. Dave. Um, and um, I wasn't married at this time for a little bit of it. Brandon would just push chairs at the church and set them up in places. But, man, you did that well. So... <laughs> He would just place those chairs and tear them down, and no. I'm making a point here with all of this. There's Dave. I need Dave in my life. All right, the steady, steady elder. Ah, oh, okay. If you guys don't know Dave, you should know Dave. He talks me off of cliffs sometimes, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord, for Dave, Vespa. Um, anyways, oh, I'll just keep from my tangents. Um, but I really, I, I went after the Lord. I remember we had young people on the team. It's a starting church. It just, and Marie can vouch for this too because I think her prayers kept me alive. But like we would change buildings like 50 times a year. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, figure out how to put a sound system in this building. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. And then everyone's asking my opinion and I'm trying to come up with good answers. And I mean, honestly, it, it all worked out by the grace of God. Um, and I really felt like in the beginning, like I was really doing well with the Lord and trying to love on people and pastor people and um, it just like I remember one day that Brandon and I had started dating at this point we might have been engaged he looks at me in the car and he goes so when's the last time that you enjoyed leading worship and I was like mm, I don't know and I remember thinking that's not a good place to be in and um it was one of those seasons where if any of you guys have been in a ministry that's growing, you feel the burden of every, everything not really working. Like, 
people will cancel on you last minute or volunteers are scarce, and it's not anything personal, but stuff happens. But if you're in a place like I was, your heart starts to get bitter about it. And I remember after he asked that question, I realized something wasn't right. And I read this book by Lauren Sanford called The Wounded Warrior, and everything in that book, I was like, that's me. It would talk about just like, just burnout in ministry. And um, my time with the Lord wasn't what it should be, if I'm just being completely honest with you guys. And um, I was pouring out, pouring out, doing all of the right things without the help of uh, the ultimate sustainer in my life. I would say that I wasn't doing anything evil, but I just didn't have enough of him. He's the source, I'm telling you. Like, we are totally dependent on the Lord. Like, we have a lot of good ideas, but can't do anything without him. And so I just felt like I was about this big. And um, to, to make a long story short, I started having some anxiety. Like, just really, I had never struggled with that in my life. Um, Brandon and I are engaged. I mean, I think every other day I'd freak out about the idea of getting married to Brandon, which everyone's like, what? <laughs> I was like, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I make the wrong decision? And it was just like a lot, a lot going on in my life. God bless him, Mr. Steady Man over here, because best decision besides Jesus that I ever made is to marry Brandon Jenkins. But in, the, in that season, everything was stressful, everything I was anxious about. And so I, I met with the elders, and um, they really are who they say they are. They care about, they told me we care about you more as a person than we do about what you can do for us. Because it's not like we had all these people lined up to just take our place. I mean, we're, we're a starter church here. And um, so I wrestled it out for about a month and decided to step down. And some of you guys were there that day. This is like back in 2014 or 15. And um, I remember they said that I, this never happens. And I, again, they are who they say they are, the elders. But they said, you can say whatever you want when you step down. Like, what church does that? Like, hands you a microphone and says, hey, free for all. Say what you want. I mean, um, usually they're kind of co covering it for you, you know. And so I got up there and I just said, hey, I, hey, church, like, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. I know we're a prophetic church, but no one prophesied over me that I'm supposed to stay. <laughs> I really said that. I feel like I had to say that. And um, people still did, but it's okay. But I really had wrestled it out with God, and I said, I just, I don't, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. Like, my heart with the Lord is more important than what this is. And um, it was really embarrassing, honestly, uh, really humbling, if I'm being real with you. And um, I, I did. We sat, I sat down, and there were times where I literally had trouble coming to church. Like, I was just really broken. I felt embarrassed, humiliated. I felt like everyone knew I was broken. And, that, and some of you guys have been in that place before, and you get that. But I definitely felt that big. And I would, um, Brandon would want to come. He's like, fi Brandon's fine. Like, he's, like, wanting to come to church, like, walk in the service. And I'm like, I just need a minute in the car. And um, so I just, wanna, I just wanted to share this story with you um, just to kind of put it out there. If any of you guys are in a similar spot, whether that be with your job or with the Lord, um, just being reminded that some of these seasons, like, it's okay to, to really be dependent on him and to look these things in the face. Um, but after that, um, I remember about, we stayed at the church. I feel like that's a big thing. I'm actually really proud of myself for that. A lot of people get upset or they get, go through a hard time and they leave or they like step down from a ministry position and they're like, I'm gone. And so I'll just confidently say like, I'm really glad we stayed. <laughs> and um, it was about a year and then Brandon's like, I feel like the Lord's gonna, we're married at this point. He's like, he's gonna call us back into ministry. And I was like, excuse me? I remember being like, I'm just now getting myself together. <laughs> and um, sure enough, he did. He, and uh, neither one of us have any ministry degrees. And he called us to Stewart for a couple years at a church there that you think you're going to minister, and then the Lord ministers to you. It was really beautiful. 
And then um, it's just a really long story short, but we ended up back here, and um, I'm so, so grateful to be here. We just kind of feel like this is our, um, where the Lord has called us, and I feel like we're really planted here, and um, it's really, I, <laughs> hey! I know, in a season of transition, I felt like I need to say that. We're really planted here. <laughs> we're literally building a house right now. We're here. So um, it just, just a lot, like, I wanted to put that story before you, and it's going to tie into my message in a minute, but just some of the, the things that I had to go through personally to be where I'm at. But I'll say the other thing, too, is I'm really grateful for a worship team that holds my hands up, that I can say I feel weak, and that they can help me. So, anyways, y'all ready for this? That will come back in. Okay, so the title of my message this morning is How to Be Great. How to Be Great in the Kingdom. So I know some of you guys thought I was going to talk about worship this morning, but in a sense, this is worship, so we'll go with it. Um, so when we're talking about being great, first I want to talk about the world's definition of what it means to be great. This is nothing no one knows. I'm just going to hit it on the head, okay? Um, to have fame, to have fortune, influence and power, to be seen by man, um, to be recognized, have millions of social media followers for being real. That's what the world's definition of what it means to be great looks like. And um, I would be lying if I was never jealous of, of people that have more money or people that have more attention. Um, I think all of us in the room would say these things or have more power or have the more um, people looking at them to see. I know some people are like, oh, it's such a burden. But I, I think everyone in this room, if you're being really real with yourself, has said at some point or another your sinful nature took over when you weren't caught up in the glory cloud, Okay. Your simple nature took over and said, I would, it would be really convenient right now to have this amount of money. Or, gosh, if I could make this decision in my job or if I was in this leadership position, things would be so much easier. Um, or if I wasn't doing this, then my life would be easier. So the world's definition of great, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I think we get the point that that's not what we're supposed to be like as the church. Um, okay, so then I'm going to give you some points here. And the title of this would be God's Definition of Great. And my first point on, um, for God's definition of what it means to be great is Matthew 20. We're going to go to Matthew 20, 20 through 28. And it is to serve. Matthew 20. Am I doing all right? Everybody awake? Thank you, Rachel. I needed at least one of those. All right. Okay, so the first number one, I'm a teacher. Like I said, I taught high school, so I'll probably be like, yeah, number one was. Does anybody remember? To serve. Okay. Uh, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. I'm going to read this with you. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and my left, this is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, so number one is to serve, Matthew 20 there. 
Um, I want to look at this story for a minute. I think it's kind of entertaining that their mom, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, their mom was like, hey, Jesus, can my son sit right next to you in the kingdom? Like, can you imagine that, just picturing that? Like, your mom decides to go up to Jesus and say, hey, is it cool if my, my kids, like, are the greatest in your kingdom? It just seems a little audacious in my mind, um, just picturing that in my brain. Um, but I love that the disciples were, they had no filter because it helps us a lot. Because I think we try to keep ourselves all cool and calm and collected when we don't, and act like we don't have these desires in our hearts. Um, but they just say it. And I'm like, praise God. <laughs> Peter says a lot of dumb things that we all think. So we're like, thank you, Peter, for doing that. Because now we have something because Jesus responded to you. And now we know what to do. And so Jesus in, Jesus in his beautiful self, he says to them, he's like, you really don't know what you're asking. Are you prepared to do what I'm doing? And keep in mind, he had just told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. Like, are you able to drink the same cup as me? And they are, uh, they're like, yes. But you got to give them some credit. I'm pretty sure James did. I'm pretty sure he was martyred, yeah? Is that right? Bible scholars of the world? Okay. And John wasn't, but John was ended up on an island with a lot of trouble. But he, you know, all that. So, anyways, but I will say that, that it, it seems audacious, but a lot of this is the way that we think that we want to. And Jesus comments to him and says something that they probably had never even considered. But he says to them, like, to be the greatest among you. He said, um, to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. So it's a definite paradigm shift than anything that they were thinking. And he says, and he compares it to Jesus, which we'll get to, who's our ultimate servant. So number one is God's definition of great is to serve. And I thought of this song, and um, is Randy Horton? Uh, Randy. I thought of you because your message the other week, he talked about how we sing a lot of things we wouldn't say. And as a worship leader, I'm always thinking about this now, and Randy kind of triggered it the other week whenever he said it. But there's this song that Mick sings so beautifully when he does it, and I think he means it, so I'm not slamming you right now. Um, but it goes, <laughs> I'm serious. There's a song, it's called All Is For Your Glory, and it goes, and put me anywhere, just put your glory in me, and I'll serve anywhere, just let me see your beauty. You guys know that part? It's a, it's a bridge, and, like, I'll tag it on stuff. I'm like, that is so powerful. Yes, Jesus. And so I have I've really, like, thought about it, but I had to, to laugh a little bit when I was putting this together because it's a strong statement we're saying. And I heard recently, we all think Corey Asbury, if you're in the IHAP stream, like International House of Prayer, a lot of people, you know Corey Asbury as the person who sings that song, but the woman that actually wrote it, her story is very interesting. Like, when you picture that, you picture someone that's, like, on a mission field, like, I don't know, bombs going off. And I'll put me anywhere, Jesus. I'll serve you. I'll do anything. Or, like, I don't care what it looks like. I'll be in the lowest position. And this was a mom that wrote the song. And um, in this season of her life, she had been leading worship at, at the International House of Prayer. And she was feeling really overwhelmed. She had just had babies. And she was cleaning poopy diapers. And she was taking care of those babies, and they were keeping her up at night. And she wrote this song on her piano that says, put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me, and I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. And I, I felt like I was like, I think all the moms are like, oh, yes, it's so real. Um, but that's exactly, that's where that song came from. And that really ministered to me as a mom in the season that I'm in right now is, um, if the Lord has made you in this season to be a mom to little kids, 
and to take care of them. And that's unto the Lord and you're serving. And that's beautiful unto the Lord. And that is your assignment unto the Lord. Um, but as Randy would say, I was kind of having fun with this by myself, being weird. <laughs> so I was like, just put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me. And I'll clean toilets. Just let me see your beauty. And I, like, kept taking the phrase out, like, just put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me. And I'll help my rude, annoying coworker at work when he needs me. Just let me see your beauty. Oh, God. Like, things we don't really want to say. Randy, you know it's true. Like, we... <laughs> I'll take the lesser job that requires more work if you say so. Just let me see your beauty. I mean, we have to make it really practical. I think we get caught up in the third heavens, and then we come to work on Monday, and we're like, oh, what? So, <laughs> but that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. I mean, even like, I thought of this, and this is a shameless plug right here, but yes, I'll serve in kids' ministry where no one sees me. Just let me see your beauty. Leah, you're welcome. That was free. Anyways, um, so number one is number one is to serve, okay? Number two is to be humble. And let's look at Matthew 18, 1 through 4. Are you guys okay? I'm looking at my time. We're all right. Okay, Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, um, from my research, <laughs> um, when they're talking about children in this passage and Jesus says that, I know that we love children in our culture, but they really were considered lesser then. And so for him to say that was a bigger deal and a bigger illustration. So he's looking at people and saying... I want you to be, like, this child is great in my eyes. Like, the least one of you is the greatest. And I want you to be humble like this. And if you have kids, again, I'm a mom talking, so I'm probably going to say it too much. But if you've had kids or been around kids, they are, they're humble. They almost, they really don't care. Like, they say things with no filter. Um, <laughs> they're just fully, freely themselves, and they don't, he's asking us to be like that. So, um, I think many times in the church, we need a healthy reality and a healthy dose of what it means to be humble. We think that we deserve something. Like we, if you're not being treated well in a relationship or you're being, um, and please don't orphan out on me. <laughs> orphan out, if you know what I mean. Don't, don't go all, oh God. Mick and I always make that voice for orphans, if you hear me do it. If you're like really feeling like, I don't deserve anything, that's what your voice, anyways, I'll stop. <laughs> Thank you, Mick. All right. Um, But I, we really, I, I really had this moment with the Lord, and I was thinking about it. Guys, we don't deserve anything. We are as filthy rags before the Lord until he made us beautiful. Like, we are pond scum. We are poo-poo. We have nothing. There's nothing we could have done. The Bible talks about this. There's nothing that we could have done to make ourselves worthy enough to even look at him. And then Jesus made a way, and he clothed us in righteousness. And I'm telling you, we just have to keep that perspective. Like, what an honor to go low because we get eternal life with the king of the world. Like, if you think about that, it's like, 
we, have, we don't deserve anything. And I know this might be like rubbing someone's wounds in the room right now because you're struggling, and I don't want to belittle that. Like, I promise you, he's a good father, and he doesn't want you to struggle. That's not his heart. But at the same time, like, God, if this brings me closer to you and, and your kingdom mindset for my life, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And honestly, when I think about it, even in my situation, when I'm in my situation, like back in the day when I like stepped down, like that was really embarrassing. I was so, I really felt humiliated like I did, if I'm being real with you. But I am so grateful to God because I feel like he saved me from something. Like I feel like I have a lot of compassion now for people that are burning out or just turning their wheels in ministry with no real connection with the Lord or trying to do it themselves. And so I have such compassion. Like you can ask my team. I always say it all the time. This is an open door policy. If you feel overwhelmed, just let me know. I mean, I honestly have, I'm almost over the top on it, like, like, you know, if you forgot to eat your cheeseburger, still come to practice, like, you're, you know, but, like, if you're for real, if you're struggling, like, I think the Lord is, is, there's just something on that, 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 that we are totally <laughs> nothing without him, we are nothing, and I'm so grateful for every season that was hard in my nothingness, and what he did with it, because he's so redemptive in that, so, um, I felt like this, too, um, if those of us in the room that are in leadership positions, whether that's in a business or in the church or, or whatever that looks like at home, um, even with your families, um, <clears throat> Josie always says, <laughs> I'll, if she like kind of tries me, I'll say, who's the boss? And she goes, mommy's the boss. And then, but she goes, but Jesus is your boss. <laughs> I'm just kind of, thank you, Lord, for the healthy reminder. And then I'm kind of like, I guess I'm doing something right, but still you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, so if you're ever wondering, Jesus is the boss. You should be. So even if you're in a leadership position this morning, I just wanted to put this out there to you. It, um, I think we feel like in the kingdom, you have to remember it's backwards. Like nothing is competitive in the kingdom in that mindset to be great. It's not like that. And um, you don't have to lord your leadership over people. So... I feel like in the world, you feel like you have to, and um, I, I even had, had people tell me, like, don't open up so much your personal life, like, don't um, be careful, like, who you invite in your home or whatever, like, and I'm just sort of like, forget that. <laughs> I feel like Jesus hung out with sinners, he hung out with, like, he invited anyone over, and like, I, I'm not saying you don't have any boundaries, believe me, I'm not saying that, so don't take it the other way, Okay. But I just felt like I needed to say that this morning. Like, there's no need to prove yourself to make a point by, like, your attitude or how you lord things over people. Um, I honestly feel like when you're with people in the community that the Lord does something where if he's anointed and he's appointed you, you, you don't have to do that. It's already understood. Um, he does it for you. He's our perfect leader. So that's a little side point. But um, my, my awesome hubby says, humility is dependency. I think we could all take another dose of that. Um, anyway, so number three, I'm not trying to be long-winded again. Luke 16.10, turn to Luke 16.10. So number one is to serve. Number two is to be humble. And number three is to be faithful in the small. So Luke 16.10. Y'all okay? Okay. Luke 16.10, it says, He who is faithful in a very little thing, is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Mom, drop Jesus. <laughs> I feel like that kind of, um, yeah, 
I mean, that says it right there. Like, the Lord wants us to be faithful in the little details. Some of you guys are in, a, um, in situations in your lives, and you're not too thrilled with where you're at, and you're waiting for the next big thing. And I always say, like, what if the Lord keeps you there for a while? Are you okay with that? Be faithful in that. Maybe you're not letting him do something in you, or not letting him use you in the situation that you're at. Um, so there's this book, it's called uh, Driven by Eternity by John Bevere, and I love it. It's a great book. Um, and there's an allegory in the beginning that I'm not going to read because it would take too long. You know me, I'm conscientious of time. <laughs> so, um, but the beginning allegory talks about these characters, and they have um, jobs that they're supposed to do in the kingdom, and then it pictures, it takes you to Judgment Day. And guys, I encourage you to read it. It's really powerful. Um, and there's this character, and she, her name is Charity, because her name means what she is. And um, she has a restaurant, and the Lord, like, it seems like what she's doing is kind of small. Like, she's just, like, being obedient and inviting people to her restaurant and ministering to them whenever he tells her to. And then you have people, there's this guy called Motivator in there, and he's one of the teachers at the great school that's, like, getting people ready to meet Jesus. And Motivator is, like, saying all the right things and... Um, doing all the, he's like, just seems glorious, like that ministry position where everyone's like, man, you're so cool, and you're doing it, like, if anyone knows Jesus, you know Jesus, so it's just really cool, because I think this is going to be how it is on Judgment Day, they, they, I'm flashing forward a little bit, but, um, they get to Judgment Day, and Jesus is literally telling them, like, charity, like, you did what you were supposed to do, like, I called you to that, that restaurant that you opened, and the way that you served there, and I wanted you to do that, and you did it well, and then you have Motivator, and I, I think it was him, so if you read the book and you're like, that's not right, but just go with me here. Um, motivator, he was like, I asked you to be a businessman, and you were doing this instead. And I, it just seems like in our mindsets, like the ministry job is greater. And the Lord was saying to him, like, no, like, I called you to be faithful in this thing that maybe didn't look so spiritual. And I think it's that way with some of you guys in the room, too. Like, you're called to, like, fund the kingdom or, like, be a part of encouraging people or, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> um, thanks, Justin. Okay. And I want to say this, too. Brandon and I were, like, laughing, thinking about this, but most of our life is small stuff. Like, we're just not, like, we don't deserve anything, guys. That's fine. I'm totally, like, it took me a little bit sometimes because you kind of want to be great. Like, I t I'm being real with you. You sort of want to move up. You want to be that big time. We want to be seen. We want to be known. But I'm like, no, like, th if, this, if it's glorious to the Lord, that's what I live for. That's all that's worth it. Okay, so be okay with your sphere of influence is basically what I'm saying there. And number four is Luke 6:46 to be obedient. I'm not saying anything you don't know. So to be obedient Luke 6, 46, I'll read this quickly. Um, you don't have to turn to it. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Um, yeah, I hear you all turn in anyways. I'll let you just, we'll read it one more time. So you feel good? Like I didn't waste your time and your fingers? Um, <laughs> why do you, <laughs> Dustin, I can't handle your laugh. All right, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And don't turn here. I'll just save everyone. John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And then in Romans 6.22, um, he talks about how we were enslaved to sin, but now we're enslaved to God. Um, and I just want to point this out there. In a culture where we say things like it's, I mean, I'm not saying I say this. This is the world. The world's culture says, my body, my choice, I'm going to do what I want. Or I'm going to work my way to the top. 
Like, that's, that really is. That's, that's the culture. And um, we say the opposite of that, and we say, I'm enslaved to God. Like, I really think we, have, we are not our own, and we have a hard time saying that, and we really struggle when we don't get our way with things. Um, and I, I really feel like even in our culture today, it's hard to say, like, I'm a slave to Jesus. Like, that just sounds, ugh, but it's in there. <laughs> it's in his word. It says that we're, I mean, we sing a lot of songs, like, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I, or fear, sorry. I am a child of God, but we're not a slave to sin anymore either. We are a slave to Jesus. And we're, and what an honor and what a privilege for him to be our master. Like, just, I just want to put that perspective in your head. We're not our own. Um, obedience is not some sexy thing, okay? It's not awesome. It's not this revival hype thing. It comes out in the everyday things that we do in our life. But that's great in the kingdom. And one day on Judgment Day, when we sit before Jesus, he's going to say, were you faithful in raising up your children, Allison? Did you teach them about me? Because that was your main assignment. And if I say, I'm sorry, I got caught up in the ministry, like that was my first place, He's going to be like, you know, or he's going to say, like, did you successfully take that job that you didn't love, but I told you to take it and minister to your coworker? And no one really knew about it, but I knew about it. So being obedient. Um, and I know Brandon wanted me to share this story. I hesitated because um, I'm not that cool and I don't want it to sound like I'm like awesome. <laughs> So, but I just want to be real with you on this, and I think it's a good example of it, so because he said that, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, I remember one time I showed up for Moms for Moms 20 minutes early, which every mom says is God is himself, but that even happened. And we were at Defy Gravity, which is Trampoline World, and uh, my kids were in the car with me, and this is crazy. Like, we never show up on time. No mom does. It's just kind of like known to be there around 10-ish. So, um, I'm sitting in the car. And there's this lady I see out of my peripheral vision, and uh, she is, like, clearly in pain. Like, her leg, she's, like, one leg has a cast, and then the other leg is barefoot, and she's, like, scraping her leg um, just, like, constantly on the pavement. And, uh, like, 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 when you see someone, like, really hobbling, like, really hobbling, and my first thought was, like, oh, my gosh, like, that looks, like, really painful. And my second thought is, like, I wish I could do something, but I have my kids. Like, that was my second thought. And no, for real. Like, my, um, like my mom mode goes, I don't know if Zeke's going to be able to handle this. Like, what if she's, I don't know. Like, how's she going to respond? Like, what do I even do? What can I do? And um, so I was just kind of, like, testing the Lord. <laughs> And so I'm just, like, hanging out in my car. I'm like, dang it, I'm 20 minutes early. God, I feel like that's you. <laughs> like, and she, like, she's, like, really, really hobbling, like, across the parking lot. And she gets into this spot, like, kind of on the side under this awning. I just felt like it was one of those moments. I think Derek Kirkman calls it unknowing, right, when you just, like, man, I feel like I'm deliberately disobeying God if I don't do this. And so that's why I'm, I'm prefacing it with all this. Okay, because this is like a truly, some of you guys have done this. You've totally warred in your mind like, I'm supposed to talk to that person, am I not? I don't know, oh, maybe not, okay, bye. You know, and you just kind of like think it through. Here's the excuses why, but God, you'll forgive me later. You're good like that, so, you know, and I don't want to be like that. I want to let my life be an offering and be obedient. So um, I drove over and I, I got out of my car and talked to her and I was like, hey, do you need shoes? And she was like, yeah, 
size 11, just the left shoe. And I was like, all right. And so I explained to my kids, and this is not some awesome story. We went to Walmart. I had to haul my kids out of the car. I, honestly, I thought that I had is I have to get them out of the car, get them situated. And we go, Walmart, of course, this is the Lord, is right there, like right next to it. And so, and I had 20 minutes. <laughs> so I get them out of the car. We haul through. We pick out the shoes. We got our left and a right shoe because they come together. I'm not glorious. <laughs> um, and then we, we go over there and, and um, we, we, I got Josie out of the car and we, I asked the lady if I could pray for her and put my hand on her foot and pray for her. And um, she didn't get saved. It wasn't like some miraculous thing. Um, but I just felt like I knew that the Lord wanted me to do that. My heart posture wasn't right in the beginning. But I was obedient to do that and be faithful. And my kids, I pray, like, even moms, like, you kind of think you can't do those kinds of things. Um, I even kind of feel weird sharing this. I'm sorry. But Brandon was like, no, no, it's a good example. So, but um, I'm not, like, some awesome person. There have been times where I've, like, totally walked away from what the Lord wanted me to do, and I feel the weight of that. Um, In this situation, I felt like God was proud of me in that moment. Like, I fulfilled what I was supposed to do. I gave her the shoes. I prayed for her. My kids saw me do that. And then... um, that was, that was my assignment. And so I just want to encourage you guys in your everyday things, like um, not for others to see you or to know about it or to really get, like, all the glory and everything, but just being aware of those moments <clears throat> and being obedient. So number four is to be obedient. And I, I want to remind you, too, that God loves the poor, and he loves the widows and the orphans. And um, let's not get so high in our glory cloud that we forget that. He loves the poor, and he wants us to help the poor, and he wants us to help the widows and the orphans. So, um, this is my last, my last thing. <clears throat> Those are my four points. So it's to serve, to be humble, um, to be faithful in this small, and to be obedient. And then this would be just three quick points here, three keys to walking in God's greatness. Okay, this is how we do it. Um, number one is check the motives of our heart. Um, Proverbs 16.2, you don't have to turn here. It says, all of a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. The motives are weighed by the Lord. That's a really heavy verse to read. Ooh, you know, like we think we're doing the right thing. And I check myself a lot in ministry. Um, I'm sure that anyone, any of the elders or the staff could say that too. Like you have to check your heart on why you're doing things sometimes because it's our job. Like you guys expect us to do, to worship the Lord and have a pure heart, a pure conscience before him or to serve people, but I want to have a, a pure heart before him. So check your motives in being great. Um, you're not doing, doing it to move up in ministry, but you're just doing it to be faithful to the Lord. You're not doing it to be seen by man. Um, Hebrews 4.12, God discerns the heart. Okay, so he says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And it goes on later in the verse, and it says that all things are open and bare to him. So we hear it all the time, but, like, he really knows our intentions anyways. Everything is open and bare before him, like even the deep, dark things that you don't want anyone to know. Um, James 4, 3 talks about asking for things with the wrong motives and not receiving them because of our heart posture. (laughs) Okay. I don't want to be in that place, but I think it, it's a healthy thing to look at. Like, where is my heart in this? Am I joyfully giving right now? Or am I in a place where I love to do this because it's honoring to the Lord? Like, 
And I know that one day it will be rewarded by the most important person, the one who, that I live for. Keywords that we live for this. This is like the things of this world, like honestly, they get in the way. But we, our whole point of living is to give Jesus glory. Um, so I have some questions I want you to ask yourself. Um, would I joyfully take a lesser position in my job or ministry if God asked me to? Would I joyfully take a lesser position in my job or ministry if God asked me to? If those whom I'm serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, would I still do it? Am I doing this for how it makes me feel? If I had to suffer for continuing to do what God asked me to do, would I still do it? If others misunderstood or criticized my actions, would I stop doing it? Those are heavy questions to ask yourself, just to reevaluate like why you're doing what you're doing and if you're trying to be great in the world's eyes or in the eyes of God. So number one is check your motives of your heart. Number two, be content with your kingdom role. Um, I kind of hit on this a little bit when I talked about being okay with your sphere of influence and what the Lord has given you. Some of us are going to have, like, callings. This is not to down anyone that has even, like, a great, what we consider great ministry calling. Someone like Jeremiah, for example, the Lord has totally anointed him to travel the country and preach, like, and talk about the Lord and call people higher. Like, I honor that. I love that. Um, But we have to be content with where we're at as well and know that if that's not us, that's okay. You know, and it's just as important for me to mother my children as it is for him to do that. So, um, okay, so First Timothy 6.6, 6, you don't have to turn there. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, I was thinking about this. There's that verse that says in Matthew, it talks about his, um, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We all know that. And um, if that's the case... I think that would be the case if every person kind of carried their assignment. This is where kingdom culture comes in, in, in alignment. We're talking about um, covenant community. I was like, what is that word? <laughs> I'm like, this is the point. Covenant community, you've heard that a million times in the last few weeks. And if we're talking about covenant community and every person, if every person does what they're supposed to do, great or small, then there is a light burden. Like, you should feel like this is not so bad because my brothers and sisters are all doing their part. I think about it in music because I think of a lot of things that way. A lot of times if um, the bass guitar is in there, it's not like it's standing out most of the time. Trey's like, give me a bass solo. (laughs) No, most of the time it's just something, it's an extra oomph that it puts behind. And if everyone is trying to, like, if the bass guitarist is constantly doing solos, like, it's very awkward. It feels weird. You're not really supposed to be... No offense, like there's a time and a place. But even other instruments, like everyone's just doing their part and it all plays together into this beautiful melody before the Lord. Every voice singing what it should, not trying to overpower another one. And that's that's kingdom, if we think about it. Like that's how every person carries their own load. Maybe your load is just to sit in your cubicle next to the person that you can't stand and the Lord is saying, I want you to love on them in spite of that. And you're doing your part in the kingdom. That's it. Or maybe your job is to pray. Marie says amen. I think Marie kept me alive in ministry all these years. Um, is to pray. And like they highlight, the Lord highlights people to you. And you're doing your job. Um, sometimes I was not content with, like I think to myself, it'd be so much easier if, we, if the church had more money. 
or like if we could do more like fun things, like you sort of like a ministry worship leader problem, this is real life, is like, man, Bethel's got it easy. They like show up, everybody does everything for them. <laughs> and they just like, it's like beautiful sounding. And then the Lord's like, that's not a right heart posture. <laughs> but that's something that the Lord has challenged me on. Like if this is like, if this is where I've placed you, and you can't be thinking like, oh, if it just, I'm just working hard until it gets better. That's like, that's not kingdom. Or I'm just working hard until I'm promoted higher in the world's eyes. Or we say in man, like for the Lord. But in, in ministry, it can get sticky. Like you can think like I'm doing this unto the Lord. But really you're like, how glorious this is before man right now. And I don't want to be in that place. And there's just times where the Lord will check my heart. Like if nothing ever changes, if you're still in the grind with me. And if it's still like you're having to fix technical stuff on a daily basis, that's fine. If it's unto the Lord and he's happy with that. Lord, send more tech volunteers, but <laughs> amen. Okay. Um, okay, the last point, this is it, and this is like the big shebang. You guys okay? Okay. Number three, look to the example of the suffering servant. So Philippians 2.5, I do want you to turn here, Philippians 2.5, if you have it. I feel like this is like such an awesome passage, and it just sums it all up, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to lay on the floor and cry now because... I'm emotional. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. I'll give you a second to flip there. Is that what you're supposed to do? Like wait for people? Is that right? <laughs> okay. I've never done this, so. All right. Philippians 2.5. Are you with me? Say, hey. hey. All right. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with, with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm just going to read that last part one more time in the middle there. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Beautiful Jesus did this. And being made in the likeness as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so that third point there is just to look at Jesus. I mean, who do we think that we are sometimes? We have nothing in comparison to how beautiful he is. I mean that. Like if I, if sometimes it's hard to say or sing, if we really, now you guys are going to think about that every time we sing that. But um, if my life is laid down and he is glorified and he is so happy with that, who cares what people think or what that looks like? Or if people would consider me great or stupid? Um, but Jesus is so worthy, guys. He's our master, and we are his slave. Our, he is our Lord. Like, everything we do goes through him. So, 
that's um that's basically my message here this morning. I wanted to invite Brandon up here and maybe Lisa as well, if you don't mind. Lisa's like, let's just do a prayer set. <laughs> no. <laughs> we used to have fun doing worship with the word, where Brandon would like read the word and we'd sing it. And anyways. Um, but I just want I want us to take that into account. I'll probably stand here with you Leah, this morning. I just felt that on my heart this morning. Um that we want to be great in the kingdom, and it's definitely a paradigm shift, and we, we hear it all the time. Like, if you're raised in church, especially, we know what we should be doing. Um, but, yeah. Part two of this message, another 40 minutes. You guys another Stop 40. it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I I'm can't handle it. I'm not conscientious of time. Forget the time. I'm just joking. Um, I really sense... The, the presence of the Lord, specifically in, in his humility this morning, and the Lord coming to heart of the Father to check our heart posture, and that he wants us to carry a posture of humility, of servanthood, of obedience, faithfulness, and I was reminded when in Galatians 2, Paul is sharing his story of his experience with Jesus, and he goes to the disciples, Peter and company, and he tells them the gospel that the Lord showed him. And they're saying, okay, good. That's the gospel of Christ. And they go ahead and commission him to the Gentiles. And then it says this. Paul says this. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. I mean, think about Paul as an apostle. He's ready to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, meaning the ends of the earth. He's about to travel the whole world to preach the gospel. And he says the very one thing that was on his heart that the other disciples affirmed was to remember the poor. Just to remember the poor. And I just sense the humility of Jesus here this morning for us to humble ourselves and to remember what he wants us to remember. And I know it's, it's holiday season, and so we're, we're busy. We're buying and doing all of these things. But can we as a church, Heart of the Father ministry, can we remember the poor mm -hmm. this morning? Can we remember those who are in a different situation than what we are in? And it doesn't mean it's like they get saved and they start coming to this church and our church just grows and gets all big. Like that's not the goal to have some big-looking yes. church. But it's to do what he wants us to do. And yes. so this morning, um, could, you, could you all stand? I just want us to posture our hearts before Jesus. Yes. Let's humble ourselves and let's ask him to put upon our hearts to help us to remember the things that he wants us to remember. That we would be in direct alignment with him. Not with a, a church function or a church event. Let's be in alignment with Jesus and his word this morning. So Lisa's just going to play lightly, and I'm going to give you a few minutes to put your heart before Jesus.
We sense the Lord getting us into alignment as we approach a new year. And he's doing that by speaking to us about our motives on why do we do what we do. And even specifically, why are you a part of this body at Heart of the Father? just this seed in this community. I'm not trying to be negative or call anyone else specifically, but there's just something in the spirit realm that I feel like the Lord wants to like get out of here, that if, if you're part of this community, it's not be, so that we would become a big, famous church and that we get on the map of some Christian worldview of like, oh, we're a big church in America. People know us because Jeremiah was here. Maybe that's just for, for me or maybe it's just for us elders, but I, I, our heart, is, if I can speak on behalf of the eldership team, our heart is that we're here because the Lord has called us to. We're not here to be rich, to be famous, to be really cool and popular, but we really want to do what God wants us to do. And if the Lord is calling you to be a part of this community, my prayer is that that would be your heart posture as well, that you're going to be here because the Lord has called you to be here. You're going to serve him. You're going to do the, the, the small things. You're going to do the big things, whatever it is. You're going to do it because he said so and not because of some reputation. So, Father, I just pray that you would renew the reputation here at Heart of the Father Ministry. Yes, Jesus. God, that we would truly carry your heart. God, we would truly obey all of your commandments. God, that we would remember the poor. God, we would do the things that you want us to do, O oh Lord. God, I just pray for 2021 yes. that we would step into greater alignment. Oh, Lord, even after we're going after covenant community, Lord, God, would you reveal to us why are we doing that? Why are we saying yes to you again? Yes. And I feel like we're supposed to say yes to one another. come to say yes to a singular person, to a singular leader. That's good. You've come for the wrong reasons. We're saying yes to each other this morning. We're saying yes to Jesus, and I'm That's saying it. yes to you. So, Father, would you cleanse our hearts? God, would you get... God, would you remove yes. the motives that are not pleasing to you? even in this church, in this fellowship, God, would you remove the things that are not, that do not smell good to you? And God, would you release grace right now in Jesus' name? Release grace to our hearts that we would step into covenant community, that we would step into servanthood and obedience and humility, faithfulness. I just want to sing that song. You don't have to fill in the blank with what you do. <laughs> Just put your glory in me, and I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. So put me anywhere. Just put your glory. Just put your glory in me, and I'll serve. And I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see. So put 
sense what it is, is that there we no longer need to entertain carnal thoughts. There's something about entertaining carnal thoughts about what the Lord has for this community and what he has for Heart of the Father and the future of Heart of the Father. We do not want carnal thoughts. Thoughts about being rich, thoughts about being famous, thoughts about being known, thoughts about things that are just carnal in nature. We want what the Word says. Yes. So we're committing this morning to the word of God. Yes. Thank you, God. If, if no one famous steps foot in this building again, who cares? We're committing to the word of Thank God you, this Lord. morning. Yes. So, Father, we commit to the word of God. And, God, we cast out carnal thoughts about our even our individual lives, what you have called us to do. God, the assignments you've released to your people. God, we cast away carnal thoughts that it has to be popular, has to be cool, has to be known. God, I just pray for obedience, God. We bring every thought captive. Make it obedient to your very word this morning. Every single thought that we think, oh, Lord, would come into obedience to Jesus. Purify our hearts, Lord. Purify our hearts, God. sense the Lord cleansing us as a body because he loves us and he has purposes for us. Are you with me this morning? Are we saying yes? Are we saying yes to Jesus this morning? And are we saying yes to one another? Are we saying yes to Jesus and are we saying yes to one another? That's my prayer for us this morning. Can we thank my wife this morning? I love you guys. That was fun. I love you guys. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Well, Lisa can continue to play for a few minutes. We officially release you all. We bless you in Jesus' name.
enjoy the holiday season. We love you guys.